All right, welcome to the four panel. I'm here with Liz, Tuck, Christina, and Katie. And uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about you guys. Tell me a, a little bit about yourselves. So I'm Liz, and I have always been a more sensitive person, um, sensitive towards others, sensitive towards animals, and been told that I was too sensitive. But I think that there are a lot of strengths to that, too. My interest has always been in helping people and particularly people with special needs. So I do have my degree in special education. I worked in that field for about 12 years. I now am working with a different population of very young children with autism and trying to start a small business. So I think that having a lot of emotion has been challenging, but has helped me a lot uh, throughout my life. And I am married with one five-year-old boy. Like I said, I absolutely love animals. So we have two dogs and a cat, and we're big, one big happy family. For me, I find joy through getting into nature, especially the ocean or the woods. I find joy in children, all children, and in animals. And I find a lot of peaceful joy in meditation. It's a practice that I've been growing for a while. My name is Tuck. I work at a small R&D firm, and uh, we are trying to grow windows out of sapphire, which requires a lot of figuring things out and problem solving, which I help with. The machine requires lots of maintenance and upkeep and often end up uh, creating new parts. So I do work with my hands. Love the outdoors. My happy place is hiking with friends up a beautiful mountain or uh, riding my motorcycle through the gorgeous countryside of Vermont. I like people. I like to uh, gather people. And this may come up with a, a later question, but... So I get people together. We go on off for a great weekend because I'm up for having a good time. And But I often find myself really stressed out during that weekend, and I don't often enjoy it as much as everyone else is. <laughs> I think that's confusing for them. Hi, I'm Christina, and I'm a marketing consultant on the North Shore. And I totally love my work because it's a nice combination of the intellect and the spiritual awareness side of things. Um, I've always walked that line, as do most of the people I'm close to in my life. So it's really nice to have something to devote myself to in that capacity. You know, I'm single and I have a little puppy. And I would say what brings me joy these days is creative projects. Like I'm really into drawing right now. I love singing. I'm also an outdoor person, love to go hiking. I just, if I can have a moment where I am really in, aware of my environment and can just take it in really deeply and then express something related to that, that is the best thing ever. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, I am an art educator. I work for a studio space, which is a little different than a public school setting. Uh, we work with like a variety of ages, which I enjoy. And I also do the to-go teaching, which means I'm outside the studio a lot. Um, going to different locations. I enjoy like the fast-paced nature of it. It's, it's, there's a lot of challenges you have to face. Sometimes you go in thinking there's going to be 30 kids and then all of a sudden there's going to be 50. So you have to kind of 
grab whatever art supplies you can and make it work. And I enjoy doing that stuff. It's fun. I'm currently in a relationship. I live at home with my parents, but I'm looking to um, move into an apartment with my boyfriend this year. So we're really excited about that. And we've been collecting stuff and gathering things. So it's been really fun. All right, so let me give a brief description of uh, the Type 4s and then hear from you for you guys to sort of fill in because it's really your voices, your thoughts, your experience of your own type that matters to us. The literature describes Type 4s as romantics or individualists who are emotional types that tend to feel the range of emotions frequently. They often feel as if they are defective, broken, or that something is missing in themselves and in the world. And this drives their quest for the authentic or unique self in hopes to be seen and loved as being special. What do you guys think about that? And is that true for you, or how would you say it may be differently? One thing that I'm aware of as a four is uh, if you don't reinvent it, why bother? So I'm always interested in, like, let's do a new version. Let's look at it from a different perspective. And sometimes it's hard to rein that side in, but I get a lot of energy in renewing and just shaking things up. Mm. I think for me, I really connect with the depth of emotion. Took me a while to figure out that I think I I do genuinely experience higher highs and lower lows than other people. And that um, can fluctuate within a given day. And so I've discovered that for health, I need to monitor and kind of clip my high highs so that I don't get to low lows and and vice versa. Mm. I connect with that part about wanting to be special and unique. I've been a Christian for 30 years, and the question that I have been asking God all along is, who am I and why am I here? Because all of what they're all doing out there, I'm not so sure. There's got to be something special about me that will land me in a unique position to be my true self and be more satisfied and fulfilled in life. So I, I get that. Mm. There's a part of the the feeling like you're missing something that when I first got typed, I thought I was more of a two because I didn't identify with that word or phrase. I didn't ever feel like there was like a lack of something that I had. But I definitely identify a lot with the emotionality aspect of it. Like I've always been very self-aware of my emotions and how they affect me. But like I, what I like about the Enneagram is that I can, now I have language where I can talk about it with people opposed to not having that language before. Because I knew it was always there and I was always very aware of what was going on and that I was that I was a little different you know I saw it a little bit differently or I experienced things a little differently or a little stronger or but I didn't really have the language before to talk about it so Mm. I feel like I was born pure and whole and beautiful as are all children and then the experiences that I had were very damaging. And for a long time, I thought they were damaging in a way that was irreparable, that maybe there would be healing, but there would be a tough scar there that would always be very visible. And now I don't connect with that as much, um, but I still 
<laughs> I do and I don't. Mm. I'm very aware of wounds, just wounds, things that are deep pains that I don't always see other people experience. And one thing that I watch in sort of something like the Hamilton musical, for example, like I wish I see somebody like that, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I know he has wounds just like I do, but he's learned how to, he's not a four, I don't think, but he's learned how to take what he's like really feeling strongly and put it somewhere. And I still mourn today that, wow, if I had been, you know, 14 years old and someone said, hey, guess what? That part you think is broken, you can take that and make things with it. Like, I wish that it happened. I didn't mm. get that for a very long time. Mm. Wow. What's great about this, too, is, and I'm really happy that we have the diversity of subtypes um, on this panel. Uh, because of, of the uh, nine Enneagram types, there are two that really make a big difference when it gets to the subtypes. It's the type four and the type six. In the type four, there's such a, a difference from subtype to subtype that at times one four will not recognize another four. It is remarkable how that consists. You're laughing. Apparently, that's true. <laughs> and so it, there's a, there's a lot of that that seems to happen in the circles that I uh, I'm in, where one four says, "If that person's a four, that's it. I'm definitely not a four, or that it can't be a four because I'm a four, and and um, and that that tends to to happen quite a bit because of how different you express your type um, through the subtypes. So it's great to hear because I'm already starting to hear some of that emerge as you're talking, like to be able to take a, a broken a sense of being broken, and funnel that through something where you could succeed and be good and provide some sort of um, outlet for that. But it manifests differently from the subtypes, uh, where some turn more inward and some seem to turn more outward based on that. So, yeah, so you echo with that. That's what you said. You feel like, yes, that if I could have somehow been told that I could have used my four, that sense that I had, and actually do something significant with it. That's that's your experience of it. I, I definitely connect with this sense of missing something, something just, something wrong. And that's why, part of why I still am asking the question, why, why am I here and who am I? Is I don't seem to fit. I can't see that place for me. So there must be something off. I didn't have any language for this until in my late 20s. Mm. And it's only recently that I've started allowing myself to even feel these emotions, recognize them. So I think it also would have been super great early on. You're not broken. You're not deficient. You've got everything you need. This is just life. So go for it. Mm. And don't, I feel like, I feel like I have spent decades waiting for that thing to come along that would motivate me toward my special place. And it just doesn't. It hasn't, as far as I know. So just reading something recently, this idea is like, no, it's just, that's normal. That's a normal feeling that you have. Mm. So don't stop there and wait, but take a choice and go for it kind of a thing. It's really so interesting to hear that. Do you feel like you're more prone to that, oh, I got to fix me, and that pursuit of always needing to be working on yourself, either to fix yourself or to find yourself however you want to put that, do you think it's like you're just uniquely predisposed towards that? So the messages that come from the outside are really impactful to you. 
I thought everyone's like that. It's so interesting <laughs> to me. It's like, you don't find your own self-process super fascinating and you just want to focus on that all day long. Like, hey, fours in this room with me right now, let's just talk about ourselves and how aware we are about everything. Like, that would just, that would fuel me for hours. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was going to ask, as you did early, so that question... So tell us a little bit about yourselves. I'm thinking you pretty much need to put a deadline on that because we could be here. <laughs> I, could, I could spend the next hour and a half telling you all about myself in every excruciating detail. Wow, this is uh, very good so far. You guys are doing fantastic. So let's jump into these other questions that have a lot to do with relationships. So the first one is, what do you bring to relationships? So uh, I thought about this because... It's fun to explore, you know, all the different things that you bring to a relationship. And the way that helped me focus or what helped me focus this is, you know, if I were to ask my closest friends, what do I think, you know, they would say? And it really came down to three things. One is that I love sharing perspectives and exploring different points of view on anything, no matter how intense. Like, that's just... Yes. So no matter how stuck someone else might be, you know, like, hey, let's think about this in a lot of different ways. And right. Another one is that I am a really good appreciator, which might sound a little weird, but really, like, I love to be specific about exactly what, whoa, that person is shining. And, you know, this is really working really well. And um, no matter how much judgment I might have about other stuff, like, I can look at a person and really appreciate in a thorough way. So I love that, actually. And then the last thing I want to share is, even with the sharing perspectives, I also have a willingness to decide and move forward. Like, if I want to take a stand and something really is calling to me, you know, I I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck in a rut of like, hey, let's share perspectives forever, and I'm so open-minded. But at some point, you have to decide and, like, actually move forward. So I'm also really really? (laughs) willing. And take a stand, right? So, yeah, so those are the three things that I, I sort of felt in my heart would be reflected by my closest friends. Mm. So I like your perspective about how. what would your friends say, but I'm going to go a different route, which is I think on a good day when I'm feeling healthy that I'm, I am more happy and outgoing and adventurous, and I love to gather people together and take them on the adventure, wherever that might be, and pull together a group and get away for a weekend. And the, the idea is that we would be together and in relationship and it would be fun and fulfilling and satisfying. Uh, So that's something that I think I offer. And I've done that many times and have gotten good feedback. Although I mentioned earlier the confusion of the difficulty that I have often with the, my expectations around that weekend and and those expectations never really being met to the level of detail that I think about Mm -hmm. everything. So I think I also have a, a, a listening heart. I'm a good listener. I think I understand sorrow and loss enough to help people uh, when, when they're going through it. And uh, I've gotten good feedback about being a good listener, being a, someone who offers good counsel and wisdom along the, whatever we're talking about. Hmm. I think this question is so interesting because I'm in relation with so many different people. At first, I thought of it just in terms of my marriage, but really it's thinking about how I relate with 
my friends and my parent and my young son and anyone that I interact with that I run into that I'll just meet once in a day and never see again. I find all of those relationships to be really meaningful. Um, I hope one thing that I bring is a presence that I'm wholly there and completely there. Mm. You know, today I, I went to a store and I had to get a gift card and um, the cashier said this, I, I haven't done this before. And I said, you know what? I am not in a rush at all. Take your time. I've been a cashier. I know how stressful that is. And I just chatted with her the whole time. And at the end, she's like, thank you for being so patient. And I was like, sure, no problem. Have a great day. For me, I was just thinking, I'm just honestly engaging with her in in an authentic way. And mm. if I was in that position, wouldn't I want someone to be pleasant with me? Mm. Um, in terms of my friends and my family, I think that I'm known as a person to go to to talk about things that I can listen and just hold that space with that person. I don't have to give advice. I don't have to try to solve it. I can just be in it with them. And when they're ready, to the degree that they're ready, to share some light on that situation from the perspective of having had some major traumas in my past and having moved through them successfully to a place where I feel like I'm living with joy consistently, that that there's that that balance there, that I'm not trying to get you out of your bad mood. All I'm saying is I've been there and I will be in here with you as long as you want. I just want to remind you that there's something else. And when you're ready, I'm excited to go there too. Mm. This question was hard for me because of the inner shame that I feel all the time. I I have trouble saying kind things about myself sometimes. So um, a lot of these questions, when I read them, when I was first given to me, I was had a big sigh because mm. it's just like, okay, all right, I have to be kind to myself. So, But when it comes to relationship, I think right now I'm really fixated on um, my relationship with my uh, current boyfriend because it's still pretty new. We've been together almost a year now. So it's there's a lot of things that have been, you know, a lot of high and low emotions because it's my first um, serious relationship. And it's like, this is it. So there's been a lot of growth moments. At my, at my house, we call it uh, stretching and growing because my family is all very emotional. So we tend to go with the ebbs and flows of things. So like my my first tendency with this question is to say, you know, I, what I bring to a relationship is a lot of emotionality because that's what I feel like all the time, especially with this new one that I've been experiencing. But looking back and seeing the people that I have relationship with, I've begun to notice that there are a lot of people in my life that suffer with anxiety. They tend to gravitate towards me, it seems, and it's because I um, offer a support for them that's very understanding because I I know what it's like to feel high emotion. So, like, I can be like, it's okay. Like, you're fine. You know, like, you're going to get through this. Believe me, you know, kind of thing. I've become aware that I have a higher patience with people that I'm close to. When it comes to emotions, I know how hard they can be. 
So I, um, I know that I bring a lot of that comfort and peace to a relationship because of those, because of those um, experiences and the people that I, that tend to surround themselves around me. And mm. yeah, as you were talking, I realized that with the big emotions, um, I personally was in a family of three other people that were negating and ignoring their emotions with every ounce of effort they possibly could. And it's like, and here's a four. You're hmm. welcome. It's like, here comes the volcano of lots of big feelings. <laughs> and so guess what everyone gets to do? They get to actually start feeling things too. Hmm. You know, it was sort of a, a gift that can be seen as a gift too, because they all have them. They just didn't want to feel them. So yeah, <laughs> it just reminded me of that. Yeah, I have um, <laughs> my, my boyfriend is an Enneagram one. So his um, restraint from emotions, you know, is a way that we balance each other because I allow him to feel like there's a comfortable place to express, which is really difficult for him. And then he, you know, he gives me a place to be like, okay, you don't have to feel them all the time. You know, like you can, we can just go do something and we'll be fine at the same time. So it's definitely an interesting experience. Mm. It's fun. Mm. Within my marriage that I have, that my wife feels comfortable enough to share things with me that she wouldn't with others. On the Enneagram, she's an eight, and uh, she's tough. She's she's very tough, and there are times that she will share something with me that she hasn't shared with anyone else, and I'm very honored that she would trust me enough to, to share that piece with me. Mm. Yeah. I think you fours do bring, you know, a lot of that to the, to the world is there's a unique gift and and purpose for you in this world of a lot of other Enneagram types. And every type brings something so necessary for human thriving, you know, and you fours, you bring out and give language oftentimes to emotion, to what's going on internally. There's also a beauty that you bring to the world because of your attention towards the aesthetic that's oftentimes missing in a lot of environments, uh, even if it's relational. Uh, it, it, can, it shows up in all kinds of different ways. But you're interested in that, and that really does bring about that missing oftentimes component in a very utilitarian world that is you know, oftentimes just trying to get through life, getting things done. And you bring the other side to it, which is the human touch, uh, beauty. And so there's so much that I think uh, force bring to relationships that's beautiful. The, the uh, flip side of those who say, you know, you're too much, there's a flip side of that where you guys are some of the least judgmental, some of the best at holding space for the intensity, the emotions of another when they're going through that. When I say, well, also one of the biggest things that fours bring to my life is this permission slip of creativity. Like you can go further than you thought you could. You ha you guys open this door in a way to to allow that for, I think, for creative types like me who may not be as high on the emotional spectrum. But there's like this open door that you give that, that is really helpful. Mm. Yeah, and we want to sort of get rid of this whole too much language, I think, in the world of the Enneagram, because each type gets gets something like you're, you're too afraid. 
You're too intense. <laughs> you're yeah, yeah. You're, you're too sensitive. You're, you're yeah. You've got too many ideas. You're always chasing the the latest. It's, it's like there's always something about there's too much of this, too much of that, and um, you'll always be somebody's too much. You will. That's no a good what way of type saying you it. Are. No, no, yeah, yeah. I also um, have noticed that I've been living in a in a couple of towns that are wealthy towns and they tend to be very competitive and I never felt really part of the town but I never felt like I was missing something either only because I look around at all the hot shots and I know that they're avoiding stuff and that I have if they really came to me and were ready to open their heart that I would have a way to help them um, I, I've heard other people that are in these you know, really competitive environments where the kids all have to go to college and it's all this huge game of sorts of succeeding. And it like, I never got sucked into that. Like never, that has never been an appeal to me. I think it's because I'm a four. I think it's because to me, it's like, well, my thing is just being authentic and I just want to feel what I feel and I, I just need there to be space for that. Uh, and then you guys can just do whatever. So when you're playing your, your lacrosse game and you're really upset about your dad or whatever, come see me because, mm. you know, like we can go deep. I don't feel like I'm missing out because I'm not living your perfect, wealthy, whatever li lifestyle. Um, and I just say that because I feel like in America, there's a dream of wealth and perfection and success um, that is so easy to get sucked into. And I think being a four has helped me not get sucked in to that. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really positive way of seeing and viewing your four instead of like, I'm not enough or I'm just not measuring up. Yeah. Or maybe I've felt not enough for so long <laughs> that I'm kind of like almost comfortable feeling not enough. And I know what to do with that feeling. So when other people fall into that and they feel like this, I'm lost and I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm so comfortable. I'm so habituated to that domain. Like, I'm your gal. Let's yeah. talk. Yeah. Yeah. There's a level of confidence you have in that, I, I feel. Like, I'm feeling that level of confidence in that space for you. Like, absolutely. If this is your experience, you start to feel like you're not enough or you're struggling to fit in. I mean, this is a world I know. Right. Isn't that so funny? I'm super confident about feeling like I'm not enough. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> yeah. I'm confident about not being confident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think your perspective is really interesting because I, I do not share that. I definitely have had so many times where I've felt caught up in the competition of those around me and feeling like I'm not enough and that I was a failure. And I went to an extremely competitive high school you had to test into, and 1% of the students in our county got into it. And then once I was there, I just constantly felt like a failure. And it wasn't a group style of learning. It was everybody was a, was against everybody else. And I drowned. It was absolutely awful. And I my self-esteem was so, so low. And I, I left that experience genuinely believing that I was a stupid person, that I was just not that intelligent. Um, and it really made me choosy about my college and finding a college, small little hippie liberal arts college on the West Coast that was all about group learning. 
And I think that's part of where the the seeds were planted for me to become totally fascinated with uh, teaching people that other people said couldn't be taught and saying, no, like this is our group responsibility to help these people. We're going to find a way and I'm going to find a way and it's going to be creative. Oh yeah. And we're going to have a lot of fun too. (laughs) That's excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to question number two. What do you need from your relationships? <laughs> so many things. <laughs> Say more. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. So many things. I definitely need a lot of support in my decisions because sometimes it takes me a while to get there only because I just I worry about a lot of stuff for no reason. But I think it's also just like making sure that um you you know like coming to people for support in your decisions because you know that they'll support you in who you want to be kind of like um reaffirming to myself cuz I already have a decision that I want to do it's just like because of my social part of me I need like a confirmation from somebody else that that's like a good idea and I'm like oh okay all right <laughs> mm. that's good so support is helpful for me just just to be like yes that sounds good and I go okay all right I can do it now that's great um cuz I I doubt myself a lot in my head and like um physical comfort is like a big thing for me like I need a lot of hugs and physical attention because I I just like I'm so internal all the time that I think it just it provides just like a comfort that is like more external than than like my my brain which I spend too much time in but at the same time I also need the one-on-one sharing to getting down into the emotionality of things and just like being open with each other is important to me having that emotional intimacy is a big deal for me because it helps me feel closer to people. And then it helps me feel like I can also share and then I feel loved Mm. in return. So that's like a big, it's a big thing for me too. So you need from the relationships, you need them to also help draw you out or help you yes. nodding yes? Okay. Yes, because I, I, a lot of my best friends, the people that I have closest relationships with, are more extroverted than I am. Because it's harder for me to just be myself around people. I need people that can draw it out of me. So, like, uh, all my best friends are, like, more extroverted than I am. Like, they ask really good questions. So, conversation is just really easy or they talk a lot and they fill up the space and I can just listen. That's fine. Like I'm okay with that too. You know, it's just like, it allows me to have space to enter in mm. without having to feel like I need to do it myself. Cause I have trouble with that. Mm-hmm. On a good day. I just want from a relationship, someone to say, yeah, let's go. I just want a, a playmate. Let's, let's go out there and have a great time and live, um, enjoy all that's out there. In a more intimate world, I think I need someone who with uh, patience with me as I navigate the complexities of any given moment, up, down, and sideways. I need someone to appreciate me for who I am and what I have to offer. I need someone who's non-judgmental, has a listening heart. I need encouragement. I need lightheartedness, especially in those times when I'm feeling like I'm in the mire. Mm. I need someone who's playful, who's lighthearted to help me, to draw me out of that. 
Mm. Which I want to do. I'm not. I've read that fours are comfortable in this world of emotions. I don't feel like I am. <laughs> I I spend um, a lot of time trying to avoid these emotions or mask them or escape them in all the many ways of doing that. So I don't want to be down in the dumps. Uh, I'd much rather be happier. And I need generally help to, to do that, to get out. Along with that, this, this idea of being comfortable with emotions, there are, okay, one of my escapes is Netflix. So a million shows out there, so many of them, I just have to stop. This is too dramatic, <laughs> too emotional. I, I know where they're going. I, I know that I'm being manipulated right now. I'm super sensitive to manipulation. Mm-hmm. So I can tell when a writer of a show is trying to dig into that particular spot. It's like, yeah, I feel uncomfortable, so I'm turning you off. <laughs> it's been an education. As I'm more and more identifying with the four, I'm trying to honor my emotions more and let myself actually just feel them instead of running for the hills. So I have a plan. I haven't initiated this plan yet. But to take one of these shows that are that I find uncomfortable and actually make myself sit there and say, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. And just sit with that. And we'll see. I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. Mm. But if they're there, as you mentioned, everyone's got them. I need to learn how to, to handle my emotions. Mm. And this goes to the types. I really appreciate you saying this. This is diversity. Again, there's, there's some who say, you know, I'm comfortable with emotions. I used to ask that question of type fours, are you comfortable with emotions? Now, now I realize after hearing from so many of them, it's like, no, it's not always true. It's sometimes there's a lot of repression of them. And if you're the self-preservational type, there are some of them fours that have been repressing their emotions for so long they can't even name them. They just know that they're there and they feel a lot of them, but they're just always trying to repress them. So appreciate you saying that. And then the help of, of somebody who is a friend who can sometimes help maybe pull you up and out when you're hitting some of those lower emotions. That's good. Good to know that. Uh, along with the other things, I think there's something universal about the need for affirmation or the need for approval, the need for some kind of like, we're in a relationship here. Could I get something from you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The importance of the external. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. That external outside kind of, how do you see me? And I need to hear that from people that matter to me. Right. It brings balance to the turmoil. Also, as fours, if we're that unique, and that's a huge value for us, then acknowledgement is, and I would call Mm. it acknowledgement, maybe not approval, but acknowledgement is really key. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you were done. Were you done? I, I'm, I'll agree with you on that okay. one. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> like, I just want to throw that in. Too. So acknowledgement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not just acknowledgement, if I may, but authentic acknowledgement. Mm. I, have, I have people who I, or I've heard people say something along the lines of, good job. You did that really well. But there's a big difference between, good job, you did that very well, and that's great. Mm-hmm. So I can, back to the manipulation and thing, I feel like I'm super sensitive to if someone's being authentic about their uh, approval, appreciation, acknowledgement, or not. So it's it's got to be real. Otherwise, it, I just, I'm not happy about that. Mm. <laughs> it has the opposite effect. Uh-huh. Like you're saying this, but you're yeah. not saying There's this. There's some sort of manipulation or some right. kind of— something going on there. D- yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I see that a lot when I do art as an artist 
when I show somebody a piece, I'm looking for like like a wow reaction. Like if they just go, wow, this looks great. I'm just like, okay, so it's not good enough. I just keep wearing it. <laughs> like this isn't, this isn't what I wanted, you know, or like it, um, sometimes you can show it to people that just don't understand it. And then it's just like, okay, let me get my other friend that will actually, you know, will support me in the answer that I'm looking for. Or like my artist friends that will actually be like, you should do this instead. And I'm like, okay, thank you, a critique. I can work from that, you know. I can't work from that looks great, you know. Mm. It's just like, okay, that doesn't help me. Mm. So, And as you were saying that, um, I was thinking of myself as the four viewer of your art. And then when I'm looking at your art, my response would be completely directed by how authentic does it feel to you? Like, if I feel like you really wrestled with something real for yourself, I don't know if that's exactly where we're headed right now, but I just want to throw that in. Like, if I feel like you are just posing, which I think is so such a forward response, if you're just trying to put on a show, <laughs> it's like, I'm not feeling this, but if I know you went into something, you know, and you came out the other side transformed, then that feels like, oh, yeah, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized that's probably a forward response. <laughs> that's great. So I can speak to um, what I need in a relationship. I'll be specific about in my marriage. I need someone who will bring me out of the darkness just to remind me that there's there's some lighter stuff around. So humor is very, very important to me. Humor is important in the marriage. Dark humor is really important that when things are just awful— if somebody can say something that is so off key and make me laugh, I just, I so appreciate that. Like, oh, you get it. So it's not necessarily, I'm not looking for somebody to be like, hey, everything is roses and let's go play. I'm more looking for somebody to acknowledge where I am, but bring me out of that, that it doesn't have to be quite so serious. Um, But with that said, I'm not looking for a rescuer. I'm not looking for anybody to come save me. I need to do that myself, and I need to monitor myself. Like I said, with the high highs and the low lows, I've I've had uh, multiple episodes of very severe depression. And what I'm now learning is looking at the steps and the antecedents to that and figuring out what I need to um, to stay healthy so I don't get to that point. But I do need from my wife, I need help in identifying some of those antecedents. And so it's while being super self-aware, when I start down that road of depression, I am not as self-aware. And I, I hate that. Mm. Um, I need her to, to say very gently, hey, I've noticed that you haven't been hanging out with us as much. You know, you're, you're going off into a corner and kind of doing your own thing. That's really mm. helpful for me. The other thing is I feel like there are very few people who get to see my true intensity. Like I have to shunt off my emotions and just let a little bit out enough that the people around me can handle um, because otherwise it's not socially or culturally appropriate or I might um, sadden them or scare them. And recently I was talking with a group of other very intense four women 
and I, it suddenly came to me, do you ever feel like maybe each Enneagram type could have its own superhero? I think, at least for the one-on-one fours, we would take Jean Grey from X-Men, having this super intense, awesome power that, if we're not careful, is so strong that it can just destroy everything around us. Um, but to be able to find somebody who can cope with that amount of intensity and not fold or wilt or just dissolve into dust is really rare and unique. And so I'm I'm so thankful that I found someone who I feel like I can actually be my full self with and she's not frightened by that. It's like, mm. yep, that's that's who you are. You're pretty intense right now. Well, that's and that's a very interesting and helpful, I think, explanation because sometimes people will hear or read about a four, mostly be in a relationship with a four, and think, does that mean I somehow have to feel what you're feeling? Mm -hmm. Does it mean that somehow I have to go in there with you and be in that emotional space with you? And that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing... I'm okay with, I prefer if they didn't come into that space, just create, just be there and allow me and be present to that, to me in that way. I, am I getting at that? Or is that is that kind of what you're saying? Or is it, please, you know. I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone else who was highly emotional because I feel like we would just sit around and hold each other and cry all day long, day after day. I need somebody that is like, all right, that's great, and it's time for dinner. Let's go. Mm. Um, and I think, also, we haven't talked very much about that that beauty piece of appreciating beauty. I think this is such a great example of my marriage. So a four married to an eight. We get one snow day as a family— And so I am curled up in the living room, sitting right next to this giant window. I've got a blanket and tea, and I'm just watching the flakes float by and thinking about how beautiful they are and how each one is unique (laughs) and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I turn and I look, and my wife is dressed head to toe, ready to go out and use the snowblower. And she's like, I'll be back. And I couldn't have been any happier. There's nothing she could have done that could have been more loving than than that. And I said, well, I'll, I'll get up and I'll help you. She said, nope, nope, you'll stay here. And I was like, I will stay here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, you know, enjoying all the beauty yeah. and the coziness and the such a hugely moment. And she was out there in her eight stuff, getting stuff done and providing for the family. And I was just like, oh, I'm spoiled rotten. (laughs) I will add one more. I pretty much am nodding my head at everything you guys are saying. And uh, just what you've been (laughs) saying has been inspiring me to go a little bit deeper. And one thing that kind of bubbles up is this feeling of almost divine quiet, sort of that space in between everything. Um, and I'll give you an example. So it could just be straight up peacefulness. Um, my little puppy is now sleeping on the bed and he's a really quiet little sleeper. And when I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night, there he is, this black lump on the white sheet. And he just feels like total peace to me. Like if I just sat with this for a moment and I would just start to cry. Like it's mm-hmm. just so, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of like, there's this peace that can't even be explained. 
Mm. It's way beyond all the activity. Mm. And um, I have felt that with people in my life as well. Um, mm. It's sometimes harder to get at that because I love talking and interacting and whatever, but that feeling that there's a deep peace underneath everything between between us. I definitely feel that with my puppy and with my closest friends, I would say. Mm. And I would say the deepest heartache comes with people that it feels like way too mechanical. Mm. Everything's mechanical. And it's like we don't stop and really just touch in um, and feel the grace of life. Mm. Thank you. All right. So what do others find? This is a, this is going to be, I'm, I'm excited about this question <laughs> with you, you fours. <clears throat> What do others find confusing about you? (laughs) I've been, um, so me and my boyfriend went over these questions together, which was helpful before I came in. So we were talking about this one in particular, and I, and I find it, it hard to imagine that I would get to that place because I find with most people, I don't tend to show them all of me so that way they like I tend to I don't want people to be confused with me because I want I want everyone to like me so I don't release my emotion I my boyfriend actually said well maybe that's what confuses people is that suddenly you have like this outburst because there are times where I just like can't hold it in anymore and I'll just like cry and they'll be like what is happening you know those are like the moments where people would find me very confusing but for the most part I tend to hide it so well that I don't you know allow people to be like confused by it and mine is a little similar to that. I would say that sometimes people close to me, they'll see me in an upset and they think that it's much worse than it is. Meaning like, yes, I'm in pain and I'm going through something horrible. And it's like, oh my God, we have to really worry about Christina. And what I would love to clarify is like, no, no. I know that I go into these places. I have done a lot to make sure I have a support system and I know I have tools now. Right. And um, I can go into the worst places and I have like people to contact. I've got things to do, you know, just I'm very practical about this dark, dark stuff. So like talk to me in a week. Oh, how are you? You poor dear. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I forgot. Like I'm, I've moved on. Mm. Right. So like I'll go into the dark, but right back up. And I don't do that to make everyone think that I'm okay. I just do it because I want to live my life. And I'm all right with the dark, but I also know it's just, let me just get what I need to get from that and then move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm not really sure how confusing I am to my friends, but I can imagine a few things. Uh, one is this thing, I, I'm the gatherer. I'm putting together this fun weekend. So why aren't you having a good time? They're, they're thinking that of me. So we're all having a good time here. What's, what's wrong with you? With you? Also, when I'm healthy, I'm just healthy and happy, and everything's great. And people think you're you're happy, you're joyful. So, why aren't you happy and joyful? Because we've seen you that way. So, what's going on? So, I can imagine that would be a little confusing as well. Okay, actually, can I add this thing? It's maybe a little sideways, but back to the aesthetic and the beauty end of things. I work with my hands. I like to do things really well. Uh, I've struggled in uh, both of my past two jobs where my managers, you're spending too much time. It's too nice. Mm. We can't afford this as a company. 
you need to like dial it back and get her done. And that's really hard for me. I've, I've learned mm-hmm. to do that because it has to happen. But then the product that I've produced is, is not as beautiful, and I don't feel as good about it, and I'm not as happy about it, not as fat, satisfying a process. So that's, that's a struggle. But part of that attention to detail and things that are beautiful being very important to me, a friend came up who was not a four. We were in a group. It was somebody's birthday, and... Last minute, says, hey, I had this idea. Uh, this person is more of, a, of an idea person. So I had this idea, and I got these little pieces and parts here. Can you just work your magic and throw it together, and we can give it to this person for their birthday? And I can, I'm feeling it right now. Because this isn't a, a video, everyone in the room oh, just cringed. <laughs> and it was, it was a perfect moment of differing types. They... We're trying to do a nice thing for the to our friend for our friend. Was were rec, was recognizing my gifts. It's like, oh, he's good at this stuff, but not getting at all the perfectionist side of it and how difficult. So I'm I'm immediately divided. Well, wow, I didn't actually get this person a card even for the birthday because we're doing this big group thing. I want to do something. I want to support this friend, and then here's this opportunity, but. I can't. I can't do this. I can't just whip it off. You know, I don't do that. I this. If I were this, if I were my own and did this for this person, it would be. It would take a week, and this guy wants me to do it in ten minutes. It was extremely difficult for me. It was very hard relationally in that moment and continuing because I felt so unseen hmm. and like you don't get it. So I cranked it out. It was so less than that I made this person that we gave it to give it back to me. And then just at the birthday of the year later, had spent more time on it and represented the gift to my standards or something closer to my standards. It's, just, it's fascinating how different types interact and good or Well, everybody, it, you said everybody cringed. Everybody cringed except for me. I felt a pang of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joel. <laughs> I've done that quite a few times to, and I'm sure they were uh, to certain type four friends that I now recognize as fours. And that's so important because in this conversation that we're having and that um, those of our listeners who are listening to this, to certain types, when you're saying that story, they're feeling that like, what, is there something wrong with that? (laughs) Like, how could that be wrong? Because well, they're thinking, I'll speak for me, I'm thinking, well, of course you could pull off. You're, you're amazing at this, and I think you're amazing at it, you know? And so it's perceived that way from the one asking. But you said mm-hmm. something very important. You said, I don't feel seen in that moment. Could you say more about what that? Well, yes, it's a both and. So I do feel seen in that, okay, this person recognizes me as artsy and gifted, but not seen in that they clearly don't understand how important it is for me to to do it well, to do it right, mm, because okay. I put all of me into these creations, mm, whatever mm. it is. And when that process is undervalued or devalued, it's pa- very painful. Mm, okay, and that's why I don't I don't feel seen because you don't get what I have to go through. What to get you what have you, to go through, yeah, yeah. Me personally has yeah. to have to go through to get to the result that you think I can just whip off together. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's not an understanding of what it actually takes to do what you do. Right. And what you do is very much a part of who you are. And so that's right. not being seen in that moment. What I produce yeah. is very representative of my uniqueness and who I am, and it's got to mm. be good. My sense is it's like when I do something, I'm so intentional, and I do, like, there's a step-by-step process, and I put a lot of love and, you know, just consideration, and that's that's who I am. Like, in a world that's about convenience and fast everything, it's like, no, we pause and we put, we just really focus ourselves to create beauty. I remember at the very beginning when I was trying to figure out what number I was, I thought that I might be a one because I identified a lot with the perfectionist pieces around creating beauty in the world. Whereas, you know, you said that you wanted it to be good. Like, I, I want it to be exceptional. If it's exceptional, then that's the bar. That's okay. And that means <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm making a worksheet for a math class, it's going to be the be-all, end-all worksheet. And if there's a typo in it, that is unacceptable. <laughs> and if if my spacing is off or something, that is unacceptable because not only is do I need to present the information in a very clear way for people who may have visual impairments or processing problems, but I think something that's missed is that when fours create beauty— It is an expression of love. So what I'm bringing to the table, yeah, it's a math worksheet, but this math worksheet, if it had something written on it, it would say, I love you. I love you. I took so much time and energy and effort to craft this so that it would be as lovely and pleasing as possible to look at. And if you have really significant learning disabilities, that it's going to be received in a way where it's not going to cause you anxiety, even though you hate math, and it's going to be inviting and interesting. And and I'm going to express that through a math worksheet. <laughs> that is excellent. I love that. See, now, I, I have a danger of needing that in every single facet of my life. Oh, yeah. So sanity Whoa. as a four— is to recognize, like, what are the most important kinds of beauty that I offer? That's been a huge relief because mm. then I can let go. Okay, so this particular aspect of my work doesn't need to be a Michelangelo. It can just be simple because it does the job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like function versus beauty, mm. always walk in that line. I could not agree more. Yeah, and I think it's been really helpful to me to also carve out time to understand that part of beauty is having time for my family and having me, if I give everything that I have and I have nothing left to give my family, that is a very ugly side of me, and I want to create fun and beauty with my five-year-old every day that I go home. So if that means that this particular thing I've allotted five minutes to do, we're going to do it in five minutes and it's going to be done because we need to save that energy to to funnel into the areas that are the most important and meaningful to me. Mm. I think it, when it comes to stuff like this, for me, it comes out in like um, gift giving because as a social for, like I, I enjoy 
making things that are very special and unique. Like around Christmas time, I tend to, I mean, I don't have a lot of money to like give people the things that they want. So I'd rather create something very personal that they can tell that I've taken a lot of time on. So it's still something very special to them. Like this past Christmas, I did a bunch of tiny paintings for everybody. So like my sister gave me like a bunch of tiny paintings for my birthday. And I was like, this is perfect. Now I can do tiny paintings for everyone. And I even did them for my boyfriend's family, which I don't have a good relationship with. So like gift giving is a way for me to access people that I can't be close to because it's just like, see, I I am really thoughtful and nice. Like, even though I don't talk to you like me, and like I'm really me, yeah. shy, like <laughs> I'm a normal person and I can do, you mm. know, nice things, you know, like I, I, I am thinking of you. Like, I do want to have a relationship with you. I just, I can't do it with words. So here's mm-hmm. a, a pre- here's a picture of your dog that I painted mm-hmm. for you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of And thing. not just That's like awesome. me, like me, but I like you. Yes. It's so important to yes. us yes. that so, others know how much we yeah. care for them. Uh, this is, yeah. And it's coming through so beautifully in how you're describing this. Like your, your heart is in everything you yeah. do. Like you yeah. really have to even guard that because it can mm-hmm. be, you can end up without anything left at the end of the day, as you were saying, Liz, that... If I don't guard that, I can end up not having anything when I come home from my family. And learning the distinction between function and beauty and some things are just good enough and don't need my whole heart into it. So it's really, really helpful and insightful. I think because of that, I'm super fascinated by the idea of efficiency because I feel like efficiency is this perfect marriage of function and beauty. So... I will spend a lot of time to create some sort of template that's absolutely beautiful, and then I'll just grind it out after that. And I, you have to share because you <laughs> totally responded to that. <laughs> I, I do. I tend to connect completely. You, you mentioned the word template. So as when I work with my hands, I've done it in design firm and so on, and somebody gives me a project and— quickly can realize that if, if there are multiples of anything, oh, I get to make a jig. I get to make a jig for this, a template for this, and I can spend as much time on the jig and the template as the whole 16 of the things that I have to make. So just that idea of, of the, it, part of that process, because the creation process is important in being able to identify, oh, this is definitely going to require a, a jig, and it's got to be right, because then all the others will be great. Mm-hmm. And that's the efficient way to do it. And then you might have a boss who will say, what are you doing? Well, I'm making a jig. Why aren't you making the things? Well, I'll get there. (laughs) But to do it most efficiently, it requires a template of some sort. I wonder if being a four makes us really good at process stuff because I think it's so easy to get stuck in emotions and all the intensity and even beauty that if we want to move forward in the world, maybe we're extra fascinated by what what's the process that will like make me okay with who I am, but also get the work done. Like I'm obsessed with that. I think it's actually why I love writing because I love taking like a chaotic bunch of words that I just throw on the page when I'm in like a weird place and then crafting something. Because it's like, no, I'm going to take this mess, make it beautiful. Like that's my process. Process, process, process. It's like the savior of all the heavy that comes Mm. into our lives, I feel. Mm. 
And that's what I love about my profession in art education is that there's like a, a shift from product focus to process focus. Like it's all about what you do to get to that endpoint opposed to just like creating an endpoint. Because I think often in a lot of art ed settings, it can be very crafty things, which are very frustrating because there's like, there needs to be like more deeper intention involved when it comes to like art making. And like you can teach kids about that and give them the knowledge to get to that place. Hmm. What about the sort of flip side of that question is, you know, what do others find confusing about you? Well, how do you feel misunderstood in this world? So it's a nuanced difference, but it gets at, at something I think that's really important. So how do you feel, what are the ways you feel like you've been misunderstood? I think one way, probably the biggest way that I have felt misunderstood because I've heard this label so often of being too sensitive, people around me have thought that I am fragile and that I can't handle stuff when actually there is this depth of strength within me that is stunning. And it's taken me a really long time to identify that. So while I can be very vulnerable and while I can feel things very, very deeply, there is strong, intense power around that too. And so please, please don't think that just because I'm crying that I can't handle it. That you have fallen apart and you need to be rescued. You need to be, yeah. Like, Like we were talking about the other day, I saw a documentary that had to do with genocide in, in a certain part of the world, and I turned it off. I stopped watching it, and it stayed with me for many, many days. And at the most basic level is because it deeply, deeply hurt my heart that anyone in the world would have to experience that pain. Not that I identify with that pain. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that my heart hurts for anyone else having to go through pain. Hmm. And so some people might be like, wow, she couldn't even handle watching that. She literally turned it off and walked away. That's not a weakness. That's that's a, a, a strength that I'm still learning about. Hmm. Speaking of weakness, um, the most misunderstood I feel is when someone sees me physically fall apart. Like, let's say I'm having a health issue. I can't, you know, like some asthmatic breath, whatever stuff. Like, oh, I can't sleep in this hotel room because there's, you know, something in the sheets that's just really upsetting me or whatever and throwing me off. And I feel like there's this huge judgment. And I'm not even going to point to anyone who's making this judgment. I just feel like there's a judgment that you cannot handle your life. And it's, I say that and I'm like, wow, that sounds very self-preservational as well. And the thing is, what is not understood is that I am really capable on like a gajillion levels and all my friends know this and everyone important to me sees me as like, you know, smart or just whatever it is, all that stuff. But so often I think I might present or maybe I just feel like I present as someone who's about to fall apart at any moment. And that's because much of our world is not comfortable with human weaknesses, with uh, vulnerability, right? And our types help us with that, for sure, um, is 
just bury that. Just don't don't surface it. Don't ever communicate it with anyone. Fours don't seem to follow those rules. They tend to work against that. You're more comfortable saying what you you know what's really going on, demonstrating weakness. Like like this is triggering my asthma. I would like to do something about this. Whereas somebody else might be like, I'm not going to show my weakness. You fours are comfortable, more comfortable perhaps than than other types in doing that. At least that's what my observation is. It is kind of a gift that maybe the fact that we feel more strongly, I have to face it. Mm-hmm. Like I have to face the discomfort. Um, this happens also in conflict. I'm really good at handling conflict because I have to. I would literally just evaporate into nothingness, I feel, because it's so painful. Mm. If I'm, you know, up against the wall with somebody else that's really close to me, I seriously, it ha- it's a feeling of imploding slash exploding. <laughs> it's like, I can't even function right now. Like, I have to resolve this. Mm. That has always felt like... Is that a gift or is it kind of a pain in the butt that I just like? <laughs> but in a way, it's kind of cool that I have to deal with it. So I do. So I'm getting better at that. Mm. I've been told by a lot of people that I'm very good at confrontation because I stay very calm and non-emotional. And that's the outside. But on the inside, I hate confrontation. I love harmony. I want us all to be together. But the end goal of us being back in harmony is so much more motivating than the the fear of the confrontation it's like okay i just i just have to go through it i don't want to i hate this and i'm going to do it mm. i'm so glad you said the piece about I want to be in harmony. I think people who watch us be in conflict think that we actually might enjoy it or relish it. So not true. So not true. It's mm. horrible. Mm. But we just have to do it, and so we do it because we want to be in that love place again. Because if I don't do it and I push it down, then it just festers, and it gets really ugly and really yeah. damaging. Yeah, implode, so. explode. That's how I describe it. It's like, <laughs> So let's get it out. Let's let's excise that wound and just deal with it and then get back to a place of genuine, authentic, feeling comfortable with each other. I'm comfortable if you just don't bring any of it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Tuck, you were seeming to connect with well, the, what's being said. I, I'm looking at you guys thinking, I need therapy sessions from you to, to <laughs> learn how to handle the conflict. Because I, when I'm, I avoid it. And I feel, like you said, it's just terribly uncomfortable in conflict. And I feel like I am imploding. And I haven't learned how to, how to handle it. I think part of it is I haven't let myself feel those feelings enough over many years to have to figure out a way out of this. And it's actually pretty rare in my life that there there is that kind of conflict that I have to deal with. So I have I have a long way to go on that. Mm. But there's endless opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as feeling misunderstood, I have this objective belief that I am understood. It's not a feeling so much as, oh, everybody misunderstands me. You know, there's no possible way that they could have a clue about all the depth of complexity and nuance that's going on inside of me at any moment, let alone over the course of time. I mean, I'm, it just goes and goes. So what's really satisfying for me is back to the one-on-one, back to the love languages you were talking about, your gift giving. 
quality time for me is really important. So if I can get one-on-one and we have mapped out a bunch of ch- a chunk of time and we can get right into it, those experiences are very satisfying because I come out of it feeling understood. Mm-hmm. That's one of the aspects. And I feel like I've had time to express all of the various nuances of a situation or an idea or a theology or whatever we're talking about. And so the, those are the moments I feel understood. Mm. And those are, that's, those are very satisfying moments. Can I ask, maybe ask a question that goes to the idealism of the type? This is a, that's a, a universal with all fours, is the idealistic um, sort of way of seeing the world. And when it comes to relationships, sometimes having ideals that are really pretty high for yourself in relationship and for the people that you're in relationship with. How does that become something that fits into all of this, particularly with confusion or being misunderstood? Oh, you're just standing right up on that one. (laughs) Well, one of the things that makes me feel the most lonely is my own high standards of integrity. Like, it's so hard for me to sit with myself if I'm avoiding something that I've spent a lot of time, like, getting present to things in myself that really are not working. Like, lies that I tell myself, hidden agendas, whatever you want to call them. And so, years and years of doing that, let's say I go out um, on a date with someone and you know, after a few dates and we've gotten to know each other and they're really fun and it's nice. And then I find out they're not they're not on that path and they're not interested in looking for integrity. It, it just feels like work to them. And I have to say, I few times have felt as lonely as when that happens. I feel like a brick wall comes up and it's happened more than once. And it's like, they just don't want, and it feels like they don't care about their life and certainly not about me. And it's, something I've worked really hard on and it's painful to do, but it, you know, I'll just say it, it connects me to God. It connects me to something bigger. It, it makes, it's from a belief that life is vast and amazing, right? And I'm just this small piece of it and I want to contribute to it with my integrity. That's the most beautiful thing I can offer. So if someone is not interested in that, maybe I'm misunderstanding something, but it just hurts like heck. So that's kind of the ideal that I'm probably very intensely focused on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When it comes to feeling misunderstood, my my shame will tell me that I'm never going to be understood. It's why I have such a hard time sharing with other people about what's actually going on because I— it's like that deep fear that if I show them and I'm not understood, they won't like it or it won't won't look good or, you know, that kind of thing. In the way that, you know, like people with anxiety— come to me, I feel more comfortable around people who have struggles with their emotions because I know that it's a safer place for me to open up in that space. So it allows me to feel like I'm not going to be misunderstood because they already know what it's like to feel emotions so intensely. I mean, their way of feeling it is different than mine, but it's it's a place that they, you know, they can they can understand my perspective at the same time. When it comes to my relationship, through all the growing and the stretching and the high intensity of emotions, you know, I'm, I'm emotional like all the time because they're things that I'm experiencing all the time and having to like work against this inner shame of myself of being open with somebody like completely is really difficult 
to like, he can handle it. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't have to keep holding it in. Like, I can just say whatever and be emotional with him all the time is fine. But at the same time, I worry that as I'm going through the stretching and growing process, because I have all this high intensity um, emotion, I worry that that's like the only way he'll see me because it's like a high, you know, new experience environment. I'm very emotional, but I feel like, I mean, there'll still be moments where I'll I'll feel the high intensity, but it'll be, I feel like there's going to be a moment where I'll feel more balanced in the way that I express what's going on. Like, I'm not going to experience these same things like over and over. So I worry that in the relationship, there's um, a perspective. I can't handle functioning as like a normal person. Like everything's gonna be this dramatic thing, which isn't the case. It's just because it was it was new and I felt it very dramatically. But now when we do it again, I won't feel that way because I've already experienced it and I know what it's going to be like. So I can handle it in a way that's more comfortable. So the ideal seems like it's it's strongly on you. You're yes. you're carrying a lot of that. Is that is that true for you as a social four? You're feeling like I definitely. Put, I have an ideal of me that how I should be. Yes, I definitely put a lot on myself, mm. and I think there's there's a struggle between being myself, but also being liked. So it's like there's mm. like a hard balance, like a difficulty to find balance that I struggle with because it's like. I want to be myself, but I'm also worried that, well, like with my hair, you know, I like it short. Like I've I've had it short for a long time, and I like I enjoy it really short. And I know that the the norm for most women is to have it longer. Like I'm still fighting against that beauty standard of you know like long hair is more beautiful. So it's like I worry that if I cut my hair shorter, like will my boyfriend still you know find me attractive or still love me if my hair, you know, if I choose to be myself instead of choosing to fit this, the thing that's supposed to be better. Mm. It's yeah. a roller coaster. That's fascinating to me because I don't relate so much to the internal side of that. It seems like you're waiting more of the internal, which is what it is. It's great. And when it comes to the, the beauty aspect anyway, I externalize. So, when I'm riding my motorcycle and come around the corner and it's this glorious pasture land with the barn just right and it's gorgeous. And I take a breath and it's it's part of why I like riding with a friend because I can, can share that experience. If it's just me, it's, it is what it is. But if I can hmm. share it, that's way, way better. But then you go around the next corner and then there's another feel. It's like, oh, that's not really as nice. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a there's a trade-off there. And then I think with friends, I have great friends and I really appreciate them. And we'll get at, we get together one-on-one or as a group and I have an idea of what I want out of that engagement. And it, it's a high ideal. And when it's not met, and it's sometimes it is met and I walk away feeling great about the the gathering. But when it's not met, I tend to I think I tend to withdraw. And so there'll be more time than normal if I get together with somebody every two weeks just as a pick to pick a point. If it's not a good engagement or it really doesn't meet my that that high goal, then I will withdraw a little bit and it'll, it'll be longer than two weeks the next time around. Eventually I'll 
get over it, and I'll be really excited to see this person again. But there's some there's some pause when it doesn't meet my expectations. There's some withdrawal that happens till I come mm. back around. Yeah. All right. Final question. How do your loved ones get to know you? Now, this feels like an odd question for me to ask because I'm sitting here with a, a bunch of fours who tend to kind of express or communicate, but yet at the same time, you've all said, but there's parts of me that I don't always communicate. There's parts of me that I kind of withhold. At times, I do need to be drawn out. So what are, what are some things that might be helpful to you in relationship with people that love you and that you love that you would want the world out there to know? <laughs> this is what helps for people who love me to get to know me. You know, it's interesting because I've been married almost 10 years, and I think my wife's family would be very surprised to hear this interview because they see a very different side of me. I'm a lot more shy around them, and I I don't feel as comfortable opening up because of that differentness and otherness. I'm weird, and it's a, you know, very traditional Midwestern family, a very large family, and um, coming into their lives and marrying my wife was really the, the signal of, oh, Kim is really gay. She's really not, you know— turning back. So um, <laughs> so it made me an, an outsider from the beginning, and I grew up on the East Coast, and they're very into sports, and I am super uncoordinated, and um, we just have really different interests, and I love them so, so deeply. I don't know if they know that because I'm very guarded around them. I think in order for me to connect with people, I have to feel safe. I have to feel safe that you—it's judgment. I need to feel safe that you're not going to judge me for being who I am, that instead you're going to appreciate me, that it's you're going to find me quirky and unique in a charming way instead of weird and sticking out like a sore thumb. Mm. Because in that case, I'd much rather just tuck everything away and be, hi, how are you? Because mm. the last thing I want to do is be hurt. I feel like I have to put up so many protections to not be hurt because my heart is so big and so squishy. I don't want anybody to hurt it. So there are only certain people that get to open that door, that have the key to the door to see the big squishy heart. Mm. So I need yeah. lack of judgment. Yeah, judgment-free kind of mm -hmm. encounter with you and then, yeah, yeah. For me, one-on-one -on -one time is like really important just because I, I find that when I'm in groups of people, I don't always have the space to enter in, especially if it's with a bunch of people I don't know. Like I don't enjoy the party crowds. Like I never liked that in college because it's just like there's nowhere for me to feel like I can connect to someone and like there's just too many factors flying around for me to like feel comfortable to open up because um, there's just there's too many eyes or there's too many people around like I can't so like one-on-one -on -one time is helpful for me to spend with someone because if they don't know me it gives me space to enter in just the two of us because there's 
you know, there, it's like an introverted tendency where I, I wait for there to be a lull before I, I can speak. Like I, there, I have a lot of extroverted friends that just talk over each other that I can't necessarily, unless I'm like really comfortable with them, I can't necessarily keep up with that, especially if they're strangers, because I feel like there's no space for me to enter in. So like having that space is really, is really important for me. Because if it's just one-on-one, you know, you you ask a question and then I can ask a question. It's, it's, there's more of a connection involved than within a social space. But once I become comfortable with you, then I can talk with you in a more social environment because it's like, I already know you. I know, you know, how to talk to you. So it's easier for me to like go out with friends, like, because I'm close to all these people. Like I can go out with friends and have conversations with everyone. That's fine. But like before I know you, I need that time because I need to feel like I have the space to like be myself with you and feel that connection first. Mine is similar. Um, what really, for me, lets people get to know me is some kind of joint thing we do together, even if we're doing similar things. You know, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs just like I am. So, you know, we're off doing very similar things, similar intentions, even if we're not working at the same business. One of my favorite books about relationships is Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. And I think as a four, I tend to jump in a little bit too quickly. So this book is about a, a couple that takes years to get to know each other. Um, she actually has other love affairs. He has to watch her. <laughs> and they get, you know, they just do all this stuff like running a farm together and learning how to clean sheep and pigs together. And they just get into the muck of it all emotionally and physically. And um, by the end, when they finally get together, there's no romance really. They just really deeply know each other, like through thick and thin, the ups and downs. To me, that is that's what happens when you actually do things jointly. You see each other in action instead of just talking at each other at a table in a restaurant. Mm. And I'll just give one example. My brother and I have been pretty estranged since almost day one. And recently he bought a home and also has been doing some personal development work. So he's kind of like been going deeper into his own life. And Mm. I just decided last literally a year ago, almost to the day, that I was going to be one of the partners of his big adventure, new house in Vermont, right? And um, it was the most passionate thing I've ever seen him do. And I'm like, if I can just support him, we will align. Like we will have an actual relationship. So even though I had just moved to the North Shore, I got in my car, it was freezing but cold, and I got up to Vermont and helped him build furniture in, you know, this brand new gorgeous house. And Um, sleeping on an air mattress and being, you know, miserably tired or whatever. I was like, I don't care. And I just kept coming up and we were talking on the phone and furniture decisions and whatever. We have gotten to know each other through the activity and the joint intention that we have. And Mm. I I can't even tell you what it means to me to have Mm. my brother in my life this way. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful. That's awesome. I think for the most part, as far as my loved ones go, they know me. Well, almost as as well as I know myself, um, and I feel like as I explore the anagram more and the nuances there, that they will be the first to know what I know. <laughs> I will share with them that part of myself that I'm just discovering, mm. or just realizing, or becoming more comfortable with realizing that it was there all along, and they probably already know that. 
meeting new people is a little bit different. I'm a little more reserved, but generally feel free to let somebody know what I'm thinking and feeling. So I feel like I've been more of an open book when it comes to my relationships and therefore am better known. Mm. Or as I listen around, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm imagining, I haven't, I'd have to think, I'll have to think more about it, that there is a level, that there's some level of depth that uh, I know myself, that, that my loved ones know me, and there's, there's more, more down there. Mm. But it, so I feel like it's easy enough to, to get to know me. Quality time is my primary love language. And if we hang out enough and talk it through and uh, also do activities together, then it'll be, it's easy. They'll get to know me mm-hmm. easily. Wow. Well, thank you so much. What a great panel. Your awareness and your transparency and your authenticity and your uniqueness definitely show through. And, you know, and those are all good things. I know sometimes there's jokes made about, you know, fours have to be unique, but you are unique and you don't have to work at it. It is who you are and you're beautifully and wonderfully made and you're a gift to this world. And so thank you so much for being willing to share with so many people your heart your thoughts we are blessed by that so thank you thank you so much for listening you can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org that's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health and you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well and there are many tools on the art of growth website to help you on your journey We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.